Hello and welcome to this Gateway House podcast. The third India-Africa Forum Summit is currently underway in New Delhi. My name is Shubhashish and today we have with us Sifra Lentin. She's the Bombay History Fellow at Gateway House and we are going to discuss the shared history between Africa and India, especially Mumbai. So, uh, Sifra, could you tell us more about the shared history between Africa and Mumbai? Uh, Bombay and Africa go back a long way. As you're not a lot of people are aware, but the Bombay rupee used to be circulating in East Africa for many centuries. In fact, almost since the 17th century, because it was a currency of trade. Uh, and the Bombay Mint began minting uh, the Bombay rupee in as early as 1677. So since that point in time, the Surat and the Bombay rupee, which were interchangeably used, were circulating in the East Africa and the West Asian trade. So that is one linkage between Bombay and Africa. Another more important linkage is, of course, the Gujarati trading communities who located or relocated to Bombay with the decline of Surat. And when I speak about the Gujarati trading communities, I'm talking about the Kojas, the Boras, the uh, Lohanas, the Patidars, the Bhatias, who came and they settled in different precincts in Bombay. A lot of members of these communities went to East Africa, particularly Zanzibar, because there were communities in Oman. And Oman during the 17th and 18th century ruled over Zanzibar. So, and in fact, the Omani Sultanate established a capital in Zanzibar in 1832. So, a lot of these communities settled in Zanzibar and from Zanzibar radiated out or settled in, along the coastline right up to Kenya. So these early traders began using the Bombay rupee. So through them and through their communities, the linkages between Bombay and Africa have been established. This uh, Bombay rupee sounds very interesting. Could you please tell us more about what exactly is this Bombay rupee? Actually, the Bombay rupee came into being when the East India Company decided to mint its own currency. and. Uh, it actually happened with the decline of the Surat Mint. The minute the Mughals started farming out, earlier the Mughal administration used to control the mints very strongly. And the rupee became a pan-Indian currency because of the Mughals. But I would say it became a pan-Asian currency due to the European colonial companies who began using it as a medium of trade, along with other currencies like the Spanish dollar, and the Maria Theresa dollar, which came in later on. So the Bombay rupee was minted, of course, at the Bombay Mint, which still exists on Mint Road next to the RBI. And it began being used in East Africa, largely because of the trading communities from the Western regions of Bombay. So I would say that it began strongly, it began being used by the turn of the 18th century and was popularly used through the 19th and right till the mid 20th century the Bombay uh, Bombay rupee was in currency in West, West Asian states like Oman although in Africa per se like in Kenya, Uganda, Zanzibar, Tanzania it was disused by the end towards the end of the 20, uh, towards the end of the 19th century. Uh 
this is this is very interesting because you know I was reading upon India Africa relations and I and I came upon this fact that the Indian rupee is still a legal tender in Zimbabwe although the reasons are very different now it's because mm. of uh, the hyperinflation that was caused in 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 the country because of Mr Robert Mugabe's uh, policies mm. but it's surprising that in 2015 still you have other currencies as legal tenders in 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 Africa but Maybe out not. there I'd like to intervene and tell you that the bombay rupee was actually as you say robert mugabe zimbabwe still uses the bombay rupee or the indian rupee rather the bombay rupee also was in a basket of currencies being used in east africa even in that point in time that was 2 centuries ago so it's got a long history and people are used the local communities are used are used to using the rupee in their countries right Uh, coming back to this uh, India Asia Europe Forum summit that's going on, I'm sorry, India Africa hmm. Forum summit that's going on in New Delhi. Uh, now, India wants to build clean energy projects, telecom, education, pharma. Could hmm. you tell us about the historical examples, you know, uh, of this engagement between India and Africa? See, actually, there are two historical examples that come to mind. One was, uh, as you know, that Indians were the bedrock. The Indian communities were the bedrock of the economic development of East African states like Uganda and Kenya. Uh, this began with the building of the Kenya-Uganda railway line, and I'm not talking just about coolie labour who were transported from different parts of India, including Bombay and Karachi. to east africa to build the railway but i'm talking about the entire structures or infrastructure that was built around supporting this labor now there were a lot of indian merchants and the most popular of them most popular one of them is a koja merchant called alidina vishram who actually built shops along as the railways were being built along every town and village that the railways entered that is one example more important alidina vishram who sort of goes back over 100 years in east africa uh, he also built a banking system parallel so if the railway started in mombasa in kenya and went up to kisumu on lake victoria alidina vishram was there to build uh, an infrastructure of shops banks and all other kinds of uh, institutions to support this indian labor and to support the colonial administration in east africa uh the second example and a more sort of um, soft power example as i see it is the aga khan development network now the aga khan development network the concept actually originated in bombay because the aga khan was headquartered in bombay earlier before indian independence and in the 1950s they decided to shift to europe now the present aga khan's grandfather the aga khan the third aga khan actually went to east africa at the turn of the 20th century to meet his followers and consolidate his community and regulate their community life now he undertook along with jamaat khanas which were established in every place that the aga khanis were located they built schools they built colleges they built banks they built hospitals and these were open not just for the aga khanis but also for the local africans and because of this kind of uh, infrastructure or social 
medical and educational infrastructure that was built by the Aga Khanis, they are, have really, the community has endeared itself to the local African population. And I think this is an example that needs to be uh, followed or um, taken seriously by the local Indian community or Indian origin African community in Africa to really sort of uh, integrate themselves with the local, local African host community. Uh, now, Sifra, uh, you know, Africa also has the largest Indian diaspora, as we can see. Uh, so, uh, and the comparison between India and China and their investments in Africa have always mm. been, you know, uh, always been in discussion. So how can India leverage that diaspora to increase its engagement in terms of bilateral trade and relations with Africa? Uh, I personally feel that, you know, the Indian diaspora, most of them are uh, small traders and businessmen. I think the leveraging actually can happen through the larger families, like the Madwanis, the Mehtas, I believe the Rajani family in East Africa is big. And uh, we also have another family there, which is the Bora family, which is the, uh, uh, I forget their name, which is in Tanzania based. And uh, of course, they don't have too much to do with uh, India besides uh, re having relations based in Bombay, but they can be brought back into the gambit again. They are the Karimji family of Dar es Salaam. Now, these families have large plantations, big industries, and I think the Indian government can leverage them as in, in the sense is they can raise credit for their projects here in Bombay. And Bombay is a sophisticated financial hub in that sense, as well as uh, they can use their good offices to build infrastructure or infrastructure in Africa. I mean, this is the two-way kind of relationship that can be established through the diaspora who've got a grassroots understanding of the situation in Africa. Right. Uh, Sifra, thank you so much for uh, talking to us and telling us so much about the shared history between Africa and India and Mumbai in particular. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You were listening to the Gateway House podcast. Please follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook and Twitter. Stay tuned for more podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.